they're very nice people, so there's no nothing crazy. But I was in this neighborhood, and there's um, you ever seen somebody play curveball? Mm-hmm. Some young guys, maybe four or five, of them playing curveball on the corner, and the woman who's who who has this house now, very nice lady nonetheless, but she's standing in the middle of the in the middle of the sidewalk, and she's like. You know, where the, you ever seen a dog put their head to the side and they hear odd noises like that? And she was just baffled. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, uh, you know, I say her name. I say, are you, are you okay? And she, uh, she's like, yeah, I just, I don't understand what these guys are doing here. And I'm thinking she's talking about it in accordance to the game that right. they're playing, throwing this curve back, the ball back and forth. And she's like, well, no, they're not from around here. I've never seen them before. What are they doing here? And that was kind of the sad point. Because in our neighborhoods, it doesn't matter if we don't haven't seen you before. They're playing curveball. Who cares? And uh, so it was like, I was. It was kind of like, you don't know that it's it's fine, you know. And so I, I I'm just saying, I'm sure that they don't mean any harm. They just and uh, in curveball, you know, you on the sidewalk, you so on and so forth. Right at the curb, it's a little less far as points and back in, in step back into the yard, and it's like. 50 points or the game or whatever. So the kid steps back in the yard and she's like, oh, I know I know he doesn't know that woman. I, there's no way he knows that woman whose house it is. And it was, you know, you know, it was, it was a little sad because I imagine if I hadn't gotten there, she may have called the police even, mm-hmm. you know, for something so simple. And so they, one of the kids wins and it's like, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you suck, you lost, so on and so forth. And they walk off down the street. And she was, it was like the, it was like a mirage, you, you know, like she was staring at, like, I can't believe this just happened kind of thing. Or like, is this what I signed up for by moving here? Kind of, and, you know, I felt bad for her. Then I also kind of felt bad for the neighborhood where, because although that neighborhood, this neighborhood has grown ridiculously, there's still two blocks over is, is, is as greasy as it was some years ago, you know, and, We know what Imani is talking about here. We know what it's like to have that sense of neighborhood pride and what it's like to see our neighborhoods change right in front of us. We know how it feels to look back at the neighborhood you grew up in and see something totally different. But this is how change happens. It's complicated. This is Inquiry. We're going out into Indianapolis neighborhoods and meeting the people who live and work in them. This podcast is about the stories we come back with. The guy telling the story of the kids playing curveball grew up near Maple Crossing on 39th and Park. Now he's come back to open a business on Illinois right next to the barbershop. Oddly, my name is Amani Trainai. That's not odd. The odd part <laughs> I'm from right down the street from here. I grew up literally right down the street from here, 39th and uh, Park. So the what will later be a brewery used to be a 7-Eleven. And then yeah. that's how long I've lived down the street from mm-hmm. here. It was 7-Eleven. Before it was double eights. I used to walk there to get vouchers. You know, my mother would send us to get, you know, I remember when the location we're in now was the beauty supply store. You know, when I was a child, you know, Ace Hardware. In under a minute, Amani confirmed everything we'd been hearing about Maple Crossing. He remembers there being a restaurant, but had never eaten there. He was too young when they were still open. There were multiple buildings, not just one surrounding Ace. One on either side. 
Amani is the first person we've talked to that lived in the neighborhood, now works there, and has family in the area. He was a kid when Queen Bees was on the other side of the street and when the barber shop was a new addition. His perspective then is slightly different from anyone we've it talked was a, to yet. Uh, actually, I bought my first pair of jeans there <laughs> um, when I was, I got a job at rallies when I was 16. Um, Wait, like the rallies, it's by 38th in college. Nice. Mind you, I, grew, I was born and raised on 38th yeah. in Park, so right. I walked, I used to yeah, go to work on my day off in my uniform. <laughs> hoping they would let me work, you know. Yeah. There was there was always there was, there was always somebody who who wants to go home. Yeah. So I would show up and be like, you know, and they'd be like, you didn't work. You just go. They would be like, you, didn't, you know, you're not on the schedule. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and, just, and you know, somebody always wants to go home, so right. I work. But I, I got my check and I bought. I can't remember the name of the store, but I just recently talked to the guy that owned it, and I was going to buy some, uh, I don't know, glass cases or something like that. From Amani has grown um, up with this neighborhood. But yeah, he talked about the cyclical work. nature of all communities, how they naturally rise and fall, go through bad times and good times. Before 38th in Illinois became infamous for crime, it was a really different place to live. Right. You know, so quite a while ago, it was pleasant, you know, with older people, with their younger children, and then drugs came really really strong uh and it, crime kind of grew the economy was down things like this and it, the transition was very rough in 1995 a riot broke out on the north side of indy a man was beaten in police custody he was a neighborhood regular and a friend of amani's and when word spread about what had happened over a hundred people gathered to protest but the protest turned violent with people throwing bricks and allegedly looting the CVS on the corner of 38th in Illinois and the pawn shop. The police responded with canine forces, armored vehicles, and tear gas. Imani was young when this happened, maybe eight or ten, he says, but he remembers what it was like. Not a, like mind you, this was a guy who everybody knew, and everybody right. knew the friends of them, and it, it got pretty serious. Wow. They, uh, it was hooks, and... I can't remember if it was, I'm pretty sure it was hooks at, at that time. They destroyed that. They just, it was just a lot of looting and so on and so forth, but it wasn't, an, it wasn't like a Watts thing. It wasn't an entire city. It was like a four block, six, six, something like that block area. And it might've literally just been the corner of 38th and college, you know, mm-hmm. though that corner, cause you know, it's always been multiple businesses around there. And, it got pretty serious as far as we could. Maple Crossing has changed so much in the span of the last 50 years, from fairly peaceful to not so peaceful, and now it's making another transition. There are plans for an extension of Tarkington Park, potential new buildings and new businesses opening. Amani is one of those new businesses with Animation Art Studio. So, um, growing from body animation, which was simply a tattoo studio, into a place where everything that can be animated or created can grow. Even the people that animate and create, as we will supply free art classes for all that sign up on the website, it will, my goal, my goal is to do what schools and people and commercials and things don't do, (laughs) which is install the idea of being an artist for as a living. You know, because people don't consider that when they tell the children that you can be anything, you can be a doctor or a lawyer, they never consider the, the, the establishment they're living in. I think the most powerful 
artist is an architect. They create what is on paper, what was once on paper or once was an idea, and then it makes its way to paper, and then we're turning the knobs and walking through and standing on and sitting in, and that is the strongest form of artistry, but people don't consider it. So, you know, they say the things that they think create the structure in our lives, which is doctors and lawyers and police officers, which is grand, but I'm going for the part that I really enjoy. And if nobody makes more great visionaries and creatives, then they won't. Before starting Animation Art Studio, Amani was part of another tattoo parlor on the east side of Indianapolis called Body Animation. He talked about how important it was for him to come back to the neighborhood he grew up in. They raised him, encouraged him to be an artist, to do that as a living, and to see it as something valuable. He talked about how he feels he owes it to the community to come back and do the same for other kids. The story that Imani told of the kids playing curveball, the one that we played at the beginning of the episode, that story represents the change that this community is going through, and it gives voice to the sense of loss some of the residents feel. A few weeks back, we hung out at the Kepper Community Center for a while in the Crown Hill neighborhood. We were sitting, talking to some of their volunteers who are involved at Maple Crossing about the tangible changes that are happening. One of them expressed this idea that some of these new improvements don't feel like they're meant for the current residents, but are more paving the way for future residents. It was sort of a harsh statement, and we really didn't know what to make of it in the moment. I mean, who are we to say? We didn't live in these communities, but since that conversation, we've been keeping an eye out, asking people what they think of the change. How many people do you think are going to work at that park? There's $6 million invested in this park. How many people do you think are going to work there? Not a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe 10, if that. If that. That's, that's a stretch. But there's $6 million put in there. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. in, in a community where some of the houses are only worth $10,000, $20,000, which means the people don't have much money. If, not even in this area, but if somewhere close, somewhere where they could tear things down or whatever, they could build a factory to give the people something yeah. to do, or, you know, be employed. That's how money could be well spent. As a business person, residual income you know, creating something that can create, I take that back, not residual, but creating something that can generate income for the people, that for me would be ideal. Here's the thing about change though, it's never just one thing, and it's okay to mourn as a neighborhood changes and things you once loved are lost, but it's good to be excited too, to recognize that change brings good things as well as bad things, that each individual has a different perspective, and that what one person may see as loss, another sees as a gain. Yeah. Say one without it being another. I'm not certain, who am I, what do I know? But it's, uh, it's gonna be exciting. I mean, the, the, the change is good and the change is bad. Maybe the most important thing in all of this is to acknowledge that there are both. Some things change for the better and some things don't, and almost every time it's a mixed bag. 
I live in a neighborhood that's changing a lot too, so many of the things I loved about my community have changed a lot. Neighbors have moved, new houses are built, businesses come and go. It's been a hard thing to square with as places that I consider landmarks of my neighborhood leave because often there's not much I can do about it. So many of these changes I can't stop. But in the midst of that, there are these really great things that are happening too. New restaurants, less crime, not as many stray dogs. I guess all I'm trying to say is that change will come, and sometimes there's not a lot we can do to prevent that. I think what matters more, maybe, is how we respond to it. It's so fun to hear Imani talk about his vision for Animation Art Studio. He's transformed the place from the abandoned Sun Beauty supply store into the potential for a space for great art. There are new walls, fresh paint, artists filling up the rooms, and plans for paintings on the walls. Amani has a sizable record collection. He's going to install speakers throughout the whole building, playing, in his words, old, fun music straight from vinyl. When he talks about his vision for the art classes transforming the youth of the community, giving them a voice and an opportunity to believe art can be a career, you can hear in his voice how much he believes. The idea of being an artist would trump anything else. Nobody would do anything they think of. I think like seven or some uh, statistics are like seven or something. Seven out of ten people despise what they do for a living, but they only do it because they're making money. What if people weren't working to survive, but they were working to support what they really love doing until what they really love could support them? Animation opens on August 1st, a huge opening. Amani says he's pulling out all the stops, exhausting all the resources, and then on August 2nd, it opens to the public. It's an exciting prospect, this whole endeavor, and we can't wait to see where Amani takes it. This podcast is written and produced by Adeline Sinsabaugh and Tucker Krajewski in partnership with the City Gallery. Our intro and outro music is by Rocketbot, and I made everything else you heard. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud, and if you have any questions or want to talk to us, email us at inquirypodcast at gmail.com, or just come to the Harrison Center. Thanks for listening.